0: Hey friends, thanks so much for following the Your Story Matters platforms and also this brand new podcast, the Your Story Matters podcast. I collected a lot of these stories from survivors to share of their journey of survivorship, healing, and recovery from abuse. It helps us understand by listening to somebody else's experience. It serves as a guidepost into opening up our understanding that two things, were not alone, and it wasn't our fault. So I thank you for joining me on this journey. Also, be sure to follow me on another brand new platform, Substack. I'm going to be releasing articles and other media content on that very soon. So go to Substack and search Brandon Dempsey, and I'll see you there. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get to our podcast, Season 1, Episode 1 of Mary DeMuth. Hope you enjoy. It's not just the people that you would perceive as being abusive, because there's always somebody else behind the scenes that's pulling the strings, right? I mean, for a long time, I just used to think, well, maybe it's just a pastor. Maybe it's just a worship leader. But there's always somebody behind them that's really speaking the words of, you better do this or else.
1: Welcome to the Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast with Brandon Dempsey. Confessions of a Worship Leader is born out of crazy and heartbreaking ministry experiences by Brandon Dempsey to help you as a worship or ministry leader. Now it's time to confess
0: the mess. Here's Brandon. Hey worship teams, leaders, pastors, friends, thanks so much again for coming into the Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast. I'm Brandon Dempsey. And some of you may know me from worship team training with all the work that I've done throughout the years, helping worship teams, traveling across the country, doing workshops, writing books, articles, you name it. Some of you may only know me from Confessions of a Worship Leader, which I welcome you guys. Thanks for coming in. Some of you maybe that are listening have only heard me here for the first time. So I say, welcome. And hey, great to meet you. My name is Brandon. As I said before. So I wanted to take this time uneditedly as I do this podcast and also off script to tell you a little bit about my story and why I started Confessions of a Worship Leader. So just in case we get interrupted, it's just my boys in the background. Now, Confessions of a Worship Leader is not just a social site or articles or these podcasts even. It's actually a book that I've been writing for the past few years, and I have to go backwards and tell you a little bit about my story, how I started worship team training, how I started Confessions of a Worship Leader, and what brought us all here. So let me go back to the beginning. I began worship ministry back in 19—I hate to say it, the 1900s of 90s. And I began ministry early, when I was in high school. So I started doing music— ever since I was a young boy. And in fact, I've wrote about my own boyhood experience, my story uh, that comes out on a different uh, podcast and also a book that I've written called Facing the Shadows, in which I explain my whole story and my whole background and abusive past. Now, that will come later, but to catch you up in the here and now, where we started was me leading worship out of high school, doing music and being asked to do different things Outside of school, outside of even the church, and then back into the church where I began my uh, positions of being like associate director of music, um, worship leading, uh, maybe just plugging in songs or back behind the mixing board, whatever. And along the way, I've seen a lot of things within church, just like you, that were not impressive, that were not happy at all, and some things that have really almost made me think and question about my own faith in God. Uh, Luckily, I had a lot of great brothers around me that brought me up through Scripture, at the same time confused by the things that I would see in church. Now, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, not until later on. My parents divorced when I was five. My dad was not a Christian. At least, he says that he was, but through that background, that's a different story. Now, I... Live with my mom for most much of my life, and when I was nine years old, received Christ as my Savior. Out of a bad experience, and then moving through my young uh, teenage life, I tried to live my life my own way, the way I thought I wanted. Of course, as you know, being a Christian and trying to live your own way does not work. And so, God made that very clear to me. Uh, Back in about 1992, I had a tragic car accident that. Totally, completely, almost immobilized me. I spent the next seven and a half years on my back due to nerve damage, uh, torn muscles, and uh, impending uh, nerve damage that uh, resulted in my lack of ability to walk and do normal things. I had to learn how to walk all over again, put on my clothes, eat, you name it. During that time, I met my wife, my lovely wife, Heather, back in high school. And if it wasn't for that accident, I probably would have pursued my own uh, career in music production. I had a four-year scholarship going to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, which I had to forgo due to the accident. But it was a great, awesome change in my life, and I would not have gone back because I would not have my lovely wife and kids today. So coming out of that tragic experience, I found my calling in Scripture— I had a great big brother in the faith that brought me to the Lord in discipleship, which I never had. So when I realized that, yeah, you can't be a Christian and live your own life too, I mean, you can try, but it doesn't work out very well, he discipled, discipled me through the scriptures. Uh, he was an awesome brother um, that I've met back from the studio days. Uh, he, also, uh, was, he also did airbrushing for a living, and he would do graffiti, paint. Uh, just an awesome man of God that that knew his scriptures, and I wanted to be like him. So this was back in Southwest Houston, uh, and I learned from him deeply and greatly in the scriptures, and that's where I found my call, because he even brought it to my attention. Well, Brandon, you do music, and you love the Word. What do you think you can do about it? I had no idea what worship leading was at that point. Worship leading wasn't even a thing. It was more like a, you know... Uh, Sister Mary at the piano playing, and we just sang along with it. And if you brought it in the tambourine, the shirts, then uh, that's close to bringing Satan. So we had to excommunicate the tambourine. Remember those days? The overhead projectors, PowerPoint, all that stuff. That's where I grew up. And uh, just to kind of shorten the story and get to the point, I've seen a lot. And in music, I've seen a lot. Uh, being a trained musician, having two degrees in music, And, um, a lot of, uh, my own, uh, studies and, uh, being with Maranatha music and great guys at integrity and all over have taught me and trained me, uh, plus doing things in the school district I've taught for a long time. So music was always a part of me and teaching and training. I just love it. So I followed that path and in music, then I realized that, Hey, I want to do something for God, but I didn't know what it was. So that's where other friends came into the picture, and they knew that I did music, and they wanted me to do more, but they wanted me to do this from the vein of playing for church, which I thought was a new deal, and I felt very, very uh out of water, so to speak so as the years went on, I really enjoyed leading worship and doing what I was doing. Uh, then I found my call and doing this for a living, and I never thought that was possible, but I felt compelled by the words of Christ to go and teach and make disciples and to do that through music. That was my calling. So to me, ministry meant something different than just doing music. It was really about reaching souls and ministering to the heart, and I have never drifted away from that. That, to me, was just the goal, and music was just only the, uh, the key to unlock um, the relationships within the church and especially outside the church. So God brought me through a lot of great relationships with people that I've known in studio, live performance, in academia. Um, And then when I went into the church, then it was just like, okay, wow, how can I get my friends into the church? So all that to say, um, I've seen a lot of um, good things and bad things coming from uh, leaders in the church, pastors, uh, lay leaders, you, you name it. And then, the more that I studied and got into my own craft of doing music and leading worship, then it came about the time where you know uh, maybe less than a decade later, I started worship team training and this was back in 2004. So I had a deep love for leading worship, but I had a more of a deep love of helping people by the heart to understand what worship is, that worship is not just. What we say is a lifestyle, but it's rather a way of life that is communication and fellowship with God, a deep, deep communion with Christ. And I wanted people to experience that on a real level by engaging with Scripture and not engaging with the music or the instrument, but to go past that and go deeper, because that's where we find Christ. Unfortunately, as you know, there's so many tripwires that men set for in our path, and then it damages um, our true calling and where God. Wants us to be, or rather, maybe not, maybe not damaged for some of us. It could just be a little simple trip to others. It could be a complete car accident.
1: You're listening to the Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast with Brandon Dempsey. Subscribe to the Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Confessions of a Worship Leader on Facebook, Instagram,
0: Twitter, iTunes, and YouTube. So I experienced several car accidents in ministry. And as I started teaching through worship team training, being asked by different churches to fly to California or Washington or Florida or New York or wherever it was, I would do that. And I also give my testimony of my life story and then help them on the weekends with their churches and their worship teams, their singers, musicians, and had a great time. But doing that for so long... Then I started seeing the same problems that I experienced when I grew up in my latter days of high school in the church. I started to see the same thing now as an adult in these other churches that I was helping. And then I realized, hey, wait a minute. There's something going on here that's bigger. And there's something going on here that's deeper and more seething than the things that I thought that I experienced. Because now I'm bringing the recognition of why these things were happening, and also why these churches were calling me to help them. So simply put, yep, I'd had many pastors and churches that would call me to say, hey, Brandon, can you come out and help us here in North Dakota? Or can you come to Nebraska? And it was always like, well, of course, yeah, sure. But at the other, at the other end of these conversations, I would receive inquiries like this. Well, Brandon, some of the real reasons of why we need to have you here is because we're having difficulty within our worship team by the relationships. Or the pastor would call me and say, hey, Brandon, I'm having a few problems with our worship leaders, and we need some help. Now, on the surface, it seems okay, but when I got there, I realized, hey, there's some deeper relationship crap that's going on that no one's dealing with. And then it got to the point, as I kept going to these different churches, I realized, hey, wait a minute, it's not just music people are after, but... I'm getting questions about me coming in to help their worship team because it's, now it's about personal relationships. So I'll be honest with you, 80% of the time of me doing worship team training for all these years, even up to today's date, I found that much of it was people just couldn't get along. And the reason why people couldn't get along is because there was some impending leadership coming from top down that was crushing. And along the way, I realized what it was spiritual abuse. I recognize it because I encountered spiritual abuse deeply and heavily in about 1999 going into 2000. I spent five years in a church where I was emotionally, mentally, and spiritually degraded to the point where it costed me my health. It costed me my sanity. It costed me my questions of even being alive. I was so distraught, so hurt, so depressed, so deeply damaged. The good thing was that I got a lot of great help. God provided therapy in my path and great men who helped me, but it took years to heal. And I'm still healing even today. That spawned off to other things in my life that I went through that needed some deeper work that God had done graciously and marvelously. And I will tell you to this day, I am on the path of healing And there are parts of me that have never been healed since I was six years old that I deeply just rejoice, and I feel so much freedom in a way that I never felt it before. But as I was going through all these things with worship team training, back to that, I was getting asked, as I was still getting asked to go teach, but now I'm getting asked to share my testimony. Brandon, would you talk about not just your past, but you'd also talk about how maybe you've seen things in the church that— have disturbed you. So I began doing that. And then one day at a conference I was supposed to teach at, I was asked by the CEO, hey, Brandon, can you do a? We need a class on ministers that are burned out, leaders that are hurting. And I thought, okay, well, hey, that's easy <laughs> because that's me. And I've gotten hurt deeply. I've gotten burned out also and had to come back. So sure. But we didn't know, we didn't have a title of what to call that class. And so I called it uh, with a great help mentor of mine. He was like, well, Brandon, you're a worship leader. I said, yes, and um, you have, what, confessions, maybe. So then we just coined the term right there, Confessions of a Worship Leader. During that time, there was this fad of Confessions of a Drama Queen, or Confessions of this, or Confessions of that. So our titles seemed to fit right in. And it gained a lot of popularity with the conferences that I taught. So uh, I remember one day, I was in this huge conference with about 3,000 people, and I finished doing a, uh, a big breakout workshop in one of the main auditoriums, and I had to dash it to my next class because now I'm teaching a small uh, classroom of worship leaders and pastors about uh, confessions of a worship leader. So as I'm heading down the end of the hallway, I'm getting lost because they, they changed rooms at the last minute. I finally get to the end, and I see that there is a sign on my door, my number, and it said class moved. The lights were shut off. The doors closed. I had no idea what was going on. But along the way, I noticed that there was a, a long line of people. It just looked like a Chick-fil-A line. There were about 100 people outside the door, lining down the hallway. And then moving into the classroom, it, looks like another, it looked like another 100 people. And I thought to myself, well, man, how can all those people fit in that room? It, it looks like a really good class that's going on. So one of the... Uh, uh, I, I don't know, the, one of the worship leaders that was in that class, uh, some of the attendees stepped out, um, some that were standing in line, they were watching me and they just said, hey, uh, you look like you're lost. And I said, well, yes, I am. I, they moved my class and I don't know where I'm going. I felt like Dorothy. <laughs> and they said, well, what's your name? And I, they saw my lanyard and they, they knew that I was part of the conference and I told them Brandon Dempsey. And they said, you're Brandon? I'm I, Like they heard my name before, I'm, I'm creepily, eerily, I said, yes. And they said, well, all these people here are waiting for you. And when I heard that, tears came to my eyes. And it wasn't because of the people that were there. It wasn't because of the class that was being taught. It wasn't because of the great attendance of all these people showing up for me. God showed me in that moment that there were so many people that just needed to hear encouragement and needed to identify with somebody else's story and to think to understand that they're not crazy that it's real and I just started to tear up and I couldn't believe it I walked in the classroom and there they were smiling faces just eager to share and eager to hear what we were going to discuss that day and that stuck with me So ever since then i was getting emails calls about hey can you do blogs hey can you do this or that and so at that point we just uh this is 2013 and we titled our social media as even a small website called confessions of a worship leader and so i continued that path for a few years and during that time a lot of great changes in my life with my family we were originally living in Houston, Texas. We moved here to Austin, Texas, which we've been here about close to four years. And during that transition, I had to put some things off on the side. Uh, Traveling had to hold for a while. We had two boys, you know, all these great things were happening. And now I got settled again. And, you know, of course, coming out of the pandemic, now we restarted Confessions of a Worship Leader. And going further, uh, the publisher that I'm working with my first book called Facing the Shadows, well, that publisher was also interested in the second book, which is the one I'm writing right now, Confessions of a Worship Leader. So we started more podcasting. You see my daily confessions, or maybe you haven't, on Facebook and Instagram and things that we sputtered out on Twitter. And so that's me. Now you're caught up. This is the reason why we started Confessions of a Worship Leader, why I had it in my heart years ago, why I still do it with a passion now. And even deeper, I grow because, again, there were so many people, so many even pastors that are hurt that I don't think we realize that the institution of our churches, you know, when you think about it, it's not just the people that you would perceive as being abusive, Because there's always somebody else behind the scenes that's pulling the strings, right? I mean, for a long time, I just used to think, well, maybe it's just a pastor. Maybe it's just a worship leader. But there's always somebody behind them that's really speaking the words of, you better do this or else. I know that because those words were spoken to me. So in these podcasts and in the coming book, that I'm writing right now, I want to be sharing with you these truths and the things that not only happened to me, but journey men and women who've come along my side that want to share their story as well. So on these podcasts, I'll have therapists, maybe a few experts from the field, but your common Joe and Jane that just need to come on and share their story and tell it like it is. That's where I that's where I'm at. And so my future, well, we're going to be launching the first book, Facing the Shadows in about six months to nine months from now, which I'm just so pumped. And then the coming book, Confessions of a Worship Leader. And along the way, I want to be coming on here to share with you what I'm writing, my thoughts, and I really want you to be a part of my journey, my book journey. So if you don't mind from time to time, drop me a comment or send me a question. Maybe you have a story that you want to tell. Maybe you want to do it anonymously. And I Credit that, and I honor that because many of you just want to stay anonymous because of your situation. That could be so intense. I've been there, and I know what that's like. Others of you, maybe you want to come on the show because you want to share, and you want the whole world to know, or maybe you just want a few people to know what's going on. And that is awesome because I think the more that we can bring awareness to what is happening with spiritual abuse, God is going to use us to help people and to help heal them spiritually. Now, I'm, not, I'm no expert, I'm not a therapist, I'm not anybody great, I'm just somebody who's lived the life of what I've went through as a worship leader, growing up in the church, coming from a fractured background, learning and understanding and, and missing the mark of trying to fit all things and put it together. So, I'm just along here for the ride that God's given me, and I want to share that space with you. So guys... That's my story. That's our vision. Our target is to help break the silence of spiritual abuse in the church. Anyway, thanks for joining me here. And I look forward to more episodes that I'll put out for you. If you have a comment, please drop it. Please write a review up on iTunes or anywhere else that you find this podcast and let people know what's going on. Most of all, as I say with every podcast at Worship Teen Training, share this with a friend. And remember, you're not perfect. It's about the Lord Jesus that lives his life to lead, to lead you both in life and in worship. So, guys, thanks for joining me here. I love you. And remember, no story is too great. No, no, no trauma is too small for God to handle. And he deals with us graciously and lovingly. Thanks so much for joining me here. See you next time on the next podcast at Confesses the Worship
1: Thanks for joining us here on Confessions of a Worship Leader. Remember, no story is too crazy. No heartbreak is too much for God to handle. Got a comment, idea, or something to share? DM us on Instagram at Confessions of a Worship Leader or text us at 832-974-0277. If you like this podcast, we ask that you give us a high review and comment on iTunes. This has been a Worship Team Training Digital Production, Confessions of a Worship Leader Podcast, copyright 2022. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us again right here on the Confessions of a Worship Leader Podcast.